Hey, hello, and welcome to the show. In this podcast, we put the spotlights in the fantastic King's College London community and the amazing work being done all across our institution. Our guests are academics, staff and students here at KCL and from our partners all across the collective industries we're collaborating with. That's right. Our guests are you. This is the King's Court with your host, David Sylvester. Let's do this. Roll credits. Welcome to the King's Court. It's TKC time. Just before we get into the episode, uh, I'd like to regale uh, you wonderful listeners with uh, some experiences I've had recently. Uh, It just so happened that for the January, Janvier, Januar sales, I happened to purchase myself a brand spanking new television is uh, the one I've had for a few years is uh, too small. The speaker was starting to make that kind of blary trumpet sound like one of the teachers in Charlie Brown. And I knew it was time to, to move on and uh, take a plunge with something sufficiently discounted. So I got a TV, really nice, uh, connects to the Android phone. I'm like, wow, man, I'm in the future. I can Google Chromecast, baby. It was a fantastic sensation. And then everything came to a screeching halt a few days ago when the sound stopped working. I'm just like, are you kidding me, man? No sound? So I end up calling uh, the customer service person from the unnamed chain, uh, having a conversation where they, of course, wanted me to do the really tedious troubleshooting. Halfway through, I said, listen, dude, what's the point of me doing this? You know, it's only going to break later on. Just send me a new one. So he acquiesced and said, okay, I'm going to send you a replacement. So the replacement came this morning and, uh... I was I was very happy when I took it downstairs and then got the uh, new television. I, I will add that despite my uh, incrementally impressive muscular fortitude, the box is supposed to be lifted by two people. So carrying a box up and downstairs tripped my back out and re-injured my hamstring. So I've got a TV that works again, and I'm in mortal physical and emotional pain as a result. So that's been a wonderful start to the week. Anyway, enough about that. This episode is a very special episode indeed, and it's uh, almost part of a trilogy, if you will, connected with the King's Entrepreneurial Institute. You might recall when I was interviewing Julie Devonshire, OBE, she referenced something called the Entrepreneurial Brain Challenge that I rather liked the sound of and wanted to take. So uh, things evolved, I took the test, And now my guest on this episode is none other than the mastermind behind the EBC. Or perhaps evil genius, if you will, because this thing uh, blew my mind and I actually think steam was coming from my ears. It's uh, it's one hell of a test and I highly recommend taking it uh, because we're going to find out what kind of entrepreneurial mind I have. And this is something I've wanted to know for quite some time. So, 
Without further ado, here is the wonderful Emily Clements. Emily, welcome to the court. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries at all. Uh, So if you wouldn't mind, uh, first of all, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, For a Monday, not too bad. Mm, Classic stuff. If you wouldn't mind telling uh, the court a bit about what it is you do exactly. Yeah, of course. So uh, I am the research assistant and currently doing my PhD part-time. So I work between the Entrepreneurship Institute and the neuroimaging department at the IOPPN on this really exciting project, which is the first collaboration between the two departments, looking into the brains of entrepreneurs. That's uh, fascinating, and I'm very pleased that I had some connection of this equation, despite my results probably being atrocious. (laughs) Uh, So, out of interest, what drew you towards the field of neuroscience? Um, I guess the obvious answer is... Uh, fascination with the brain. Mm. I think particularly the kind of neuroscience that I look into is a bit more along the lines of cognitive neuroscience and neuropsychology. So just people's behaviour and then what in the brain is responsible for that is really what drives my interest in it. I mean, it's a fascinating topic. Yeah. So I find often people are fascinated with their own minds and their own brains and It probably stemmed from when I was younger, just this curiosity into how people thought and acted. And I just followed my interests throughout my studies and ended up here (laughs) studying the brain and behavior. That makes perfect sense. And it's uh, a timely and timeless topic. I think all all of the time, gosh, I'm saying time a lot. I myself have always had a deep interest in people's minds, why they function a certain way. Uh, if it, you know the classic nature versus nurture debate, and the fact that you're working in this field is something I have a lot of interest in. And uh, g- going on with this topic, well, what's an average day slash week like for a neuroimaging PhD candidate? Um, so it really depends on what stage you're at in your research. So particularly as a PhD student, you spend a lot of your initial time just scoping the whole field, a lot of reading, a lot of trying to really understand the topic that you're studying. Mm. And then the kind of more exciting stuff comes in where you get to design your experiments. And for me, the even more exciting is actually testing people and recruiting people for a study. Mm. And then from that the data that you get and the analysis that you get to do and when you get the results that's probably (laughs) the most exciting bit but depending on what stage you're at really determines what tasks you're doing so Mm. at the moment I'm really doing a lot of analysis so that means looking a lot of excel spreadsheets and kind of statistical analysis software which on the face of it isn't always the most exciting thing but the results you get are worth it in the end. Mm, the end game, sure. And uh, to tie it in with your other place of work, why is an entrepreneurial mindset important uh, to PhD candidates, would you say? Um, I think two reasons. So partly to do with the way as, so for a let's say a science PhD student, um, as scientists, how we're trained to think is sometimes almost the opposite of an entrepreneur. Hmm. We're, we're trained to be very, very well, perfectionists, to really spend a lot of time researching the whole field and making sure everything is backed up and evidenced. And 
so it partly that the mindset of a kind of academic research pathway doesn't always fit the mindset of an entrepreneurial pathway mm. um even though i think there's a lot of similarities between the two um and secondly just the the negative connotations that come with the word entrepreneur so the entrepreneurship institute actually did a yougov poll where they kind of assessed people's perceptions of entrepreneurs and unfortunately sometimes these are quite outdated and the kind of stereotype of an entrepreneur is not something that i think a lot of young students and postgraduate students phd students really themselves identify with mm. well it's uh, nice to know that people are bucking the trend then and uh, redefining what it means in that case yeah definitely okay so that leads me to our next segment which is something we like to call up close and personal and for this particular segment i want to talk about stem which is the acronym s-t-e-m now firstly you might be asking what exactly is stem so STEM is an acronym for the fields of science, technology, engineering, and maths. Discussion of STEM-related programs has become a presidential priority because too few college students are pursuing degrees in these fields. So first off from the bat, I know the topic of STEM means a great deal to you, so uh, please tell me about your perspective of what STEM is, please. So yeah, as you summarised quite nicely, um, science, technology, engineering, and maths, um, I think the reason why this is something that's a, a topic that's quite important to me is just the, I guess in the past, the lack of women working in STEM. And I think just the the challenges that this presents kind of as a woman mm. <laughs> working in this industry, in this field, is perhaps the, you know, kind of growing up and throughout the studies, the lack of role models who are women to look up to and kind of base your career path on and then also the kind of intricacies that play out when you're working in the field and perhaps sometimes how you're treated mm. and I think it it's going the right way and you can kind of see when you look up certain statistics so take for example I had a look at King's and 60% of researchers at my level, at the research assistant level, are women, hmm. um, which is really good to see. But unfortunately, as you kind of move up in the ranks, um, it's kind of like an upside down triangle. <laughs> so once you get to professorship level, it's 28% women and 72% male. So yeah, it's just particularly interesting to whether that's a product of the times we live in. So perhaps as we go on in the future, women will, you know, take up more senior roles because perhaps women in the past weren't taking the STEM subjects. Mm. But I think it's just something that I think is important to talk about and, and just consider and advocate and make people aware of this inequality. Well, I think if nothing else, it's uh, inspiring that you're going to be someone's role model in years to come i hope so <laughs> i don't see why not i mean after taking the ebc i can i can very much see that you have a great inclination towards this which leads me to the next segment which is let's talk and in particular we're gonna talk about the entrepreneurial brain challenge uh now 
let me just say that I think I lost about uh, 10 pounds in uh, weight taking this, and it was impressively stressful. I, I regret not taking your advice and doing it during the day because I'm more of a night owl, so I ended up doing it quite late. And for some reason, someone chose to do drilling at 1.30 in the morning whilst I was taking <laughs> one of the uh, tests, part two, and I thought that was a bit bloody selfish. But anyway, I'm just going to go through my feelings and observations because it's a fascinating test. And again, I urge everyone to take it because you, you'll learn a lot about yourself. And I had a crux of it. It's 15 different tests, each one I believe taking 13 minutes. But uh, sometimes I, I could have sworn it was longer. But yeah, I'm just going to go through a few of them. So the, the SRT is a fantastically... Uh, kind of frilling bullseye reaction game, which I initially thought I did very well with, but results could say otherwise. It reminded me uh, of, of a video game, so to speak. The Beehive Estimate Color Game, which I found very fun. Again, quite thrilling. I believe I did well on that. It's an interesting challenge where one has to decipher, when can I make this decision? When's the judgment call? The Entrepreneur Bandit drove me crazy, I have to say. I questioned my own reasoning multiple times and was in a state of evolving my analysis in utter perpetuity. It was stressful. I did well, but at what cost? Uh, prospective memory was okay with me, but uh, turned out I didn't do as well as I thought. Blocks was deceptively difficult for me. Odd, perhaps, as I'm a legitimate Tetris master, and uh, Blocks very much reminded me of Tetris. Digit span, I did well on. Space span, I found quite difficult. Uh, I thought I did well at target detection uh, because it was, to me, the most similar aspect to an arcade-esque game. And I found that I found that the most fun out of everything. Uh, word definitions was a solid round. Uh, I should hope so too because I have a very verbose vocabulary which I like to use vivaciously. 2D manipulations I enjoyed and felt was also quite video gaming. The free building game was a real brain bender, jarring, and I'm very pleased I did well. And uh, yeah, these are some of the ones that come to mind. So Emily, those are some of my observations and I, I wonder what you have to say about my instincts there, please, but before we get into my actual results. Yeah, so it's really great to hear your observations because as a the researcher designing it and putting it out there and then just getting the data and the results. One thing that you lose when you're doing this online is actually how did the people find it and what were their experiences. Mm. So I've been so interested for people who have done it, for them to contact me and let me know these things and hearing your insight there is just very interesting. Nice. For a bit of background and perspective on the entrepreneurial brain challenge and why you were doing these tasks is it was really designed as a way to objectively measure how someone's brain worked in a lot of different ways. So throughout the task you mentioned, you look into things like decision making, problem solving, planning, information sampling. Um, and all of these tests come together to give me a really good cognitive profile of everyone who takes it. Mm. So in particular, I'd like to just highlight a couple that you mentioned. So the entrepreneur's bandit task, um, I <sighs> laughed as you said that it drove you crazy. <laughs> um, it really did. Because without giving too much away, if people are going to go on and do this themselves, it is intended to drive you a bit crazy. 
Um, it's actually measuring how you respond to volatility and rules changing and uncertainty and how you continue to make decisions in that environment. So you can imagine that the environment that I create in that task is frustrating. <laughs> um, you, you really remind me of a supervillain from a movie or comic book right now, I have to say. And that's not an insult. <laughs> Some speed or uh, saw, one of those two franchises, but, but please continue. <laughs> um, but really it's to try and gauge how people respond and make decisions in an uncertain environment, which is something that is so, so intrinsic to what entrepreneurs have to do, mm. is cope in a volatile and often quite stressful environment where you can think that you know the playbook and that you're making the right decisions, but then that environment changes and the rules that you know might be flipped upside down. Say a pandemic happens and you have mm -hmm. to completely flip your business. So it's really about gauging also people's adaptability and how they respond when things start to change, mm. um, which is one of the tasks that I'm most interested in, but unfortunately is the task that frustrates people the most. That makes sense. It's a baptism of fire, if you will. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and then just another task. So the, the bees task, the information sampling is often people's favorite. So that's nice because at least if they hate the entrepreneur's bandit, they quite enjoy that one. Mm. So the bees task is basically looking into how you sample information. So how much you acquire before you are confident in making a decision, which mm. again in entrepreneurs is super important to gauge. So how long do people spend gathering information before they just go for it and say, okay, I'm gonna make this decision. Um, and so essentially what these tasks are tapping into is these really fine-tuned cognitive aspects of how you navigate information in the world and how you use that. Okay. And you saying this does give me a feeling of validation because kind of regardless of how stressed out I was incrementally by the end, you know, reading the synopsis and the explanation behind everything did make everything clear. And as you said before, it's a challenge and challenges are going to be challenging. <laughs> okay. So here comes the, uh, here comes the big reveal. So can we have a drum roll, please? Let's do this. Results time. Please be gentle. Just uh, try and make me look as intelligent as possible. <laughs> okay. You'll like please. the first bit then. Um <laughs> Okay, so, don't know about the last one then. <laughs> so, uh, first off the bat, I'm going to I'm going to feed your ego um, and tell you that actually your your overall results. So, the spider diagram that comes at the end that summarizes everything is uh, one of the best that I've seen. That's nice. <laughs> you actually score above the normative average in nearly every task uh apart from reaction yeah. time <laughs> uh, say that again please i didn't register that so apart from reaction time you that do... was a joke oh. <laughs> clearly my reaction times are slow too but yeah, so particularly if I look at your real strength, so you performed really well on the Entrepreneur's Bandit task that you hated. Wow, okay. And very well on the information sampling task. 
You have good verbal working memory, which makes sense as obviously during a podcast, you have to be actively thinking about the words and phrases you're using. Me never make mistake with grammar. (laughs) I'll shut up. Please continue. (laughs) You have good attention, good spatial reasoning. Um, So really actually all round, you score well on the tasks, which is something to be proud of i think <laughs> yes i am proud <laughs> i'm i'm also dreading the bad news um i i wouldn't say there's bad news um so essentially we draw data from both these cognitive tests and then i was just having a look at your so your personality for example um and then also your your seven skills um of an entrepreneurial mindset which i think You've probably spoken about before with Julie. Oh, but please, by all means, uh, depth is very much appreciated from you. The seven skills of an entrepreneurial mindset uh, is a framework developed by the Entrepreneurship Institute. And I included it in the results of the Entrepreneurial Brain Challenge too, because it's a really good measure to see what areas of entrepreneurialism you are good at and what perhaps you need to work on. Um, which is really what the whole challenge is about, is it's not about placing people as being entrepreneurs or not. It's about saying this is what you're good at and this is maybe what you can work on. So, for example, I think, again, you score pretty highly in everything apart from maybe validation. You know, I think I listened to your last podcast where you might have even spoken about validation with Julie, but... Yeah, it's just this idea that, you know, you're kind, you have an idea and from a, from my neuroscience perspective and how I think about how the brain works, I think ideas are fairly easy. I think a lot of people can come up with ideas. Um, but I think what validation is about is, you know, really proving that that idea is viable and gaining traction, which is often one of the challenges um, in entrepreneurship that people fall short on. Um, sorry, I'm just going to stop. Am mm. I sounding too harsh here? <laughs> uh, I didn't think so. I mean, I, I thought okay. I was going to be a complete loser in a test, so I'm overachieving <laughs> so far. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's really about turning that idea into action. Um, and in the research that I'm doing, that's the key thing for me to research is how people who have an idea drive that forward, despite this uncertainty that I spoke about or this volatility in the environment. And what do they do to validate those ideas and make those effective decisions that really drive success in being an entrepreneur? Well, this is probably why my gravy powered car never took off. <laughs> Potentially, did you validate that idea? <laughs> well, I just kept on drinking the sauce instead. It was a real problem. <laughs> but um, you know, this also so this idea of you know validation in which we gauged from some of the questionnaires we gave you. Yeah. We can also then look at the information sampling task. So this is kind of how you gauge probability, but also your impulsivity. So actually, in this cognitive mm. task, you scored in the top five to ten percent, which is oh, a very good nice. score. 
Um, and I wonder if, I know it was obviously, I gave you a lot of tests and it was a long time ago, but I wonder if you remember what your strategy for that game was. Uh, for which one? So this is the, the bees task. This is where there were panels and you had to reveal them. Oh, the bees task. Yeah. Um, my strategy really was, uh, just go to the point I guess, for want of a better term, of no return. I loosely looked at everything and just kind of naturally saw what there was more of. And then I just, I got to a point where I just said, well, it, it can't possibly be the other one. So I have to go here because, you know, I, I was always fearful of going too early, but I really didn't want to go too late either when it was like everything uncovered anyway. So it becomes a futile thing to do. So, yeah, I don't even know if that's a very good answer, but that was mainly <laughs> my thinking behind it. Just I, I just followed my instincts. Yeah, yeah, which is probably the ideal way to act. So uh, for context in this task, what you do is you have these beads hidden behind panels and you can click a button to reveal them one by one. And really what you can see is different strategies that people use in this game. So a quite perhaps impulsive person would just reveal as little as possible because they're impatient and want to get through the game. So they reveal a few and then they go, okay, I can already see there's more green than brown. So I'm going to say the answer's green. Mm. On the complete other end of the spectrum, you have people who are very analytical. So they would reveal every single panel and then count up exactly how much there is of each color and then know for certain they're making the right choice. But that's very, very time consuming. And if we take this concept into being an entrepreneur, you could spend a lot of time gathering the information. Um, perhaps I said as a scientist, really making sure you evaluated all the evidence so you can be certain of your outcome. But it's time consuming. So you kind of want to actually, as you, as you said you did, get this balance between revealing enough that you have gathered information and you are, in terms of entrepreneurship, you know, aware of your market and aware of mm. the strategy that you can have going forward, but perhaps not taking so long with that kind of very analytical perfectionist attitude that you are wasting time. And to bring it back to the seven skills from the Entrepreneurship Institute, that really impacts your ability to get it done if you are spending mm. time revealing every single panel. I, I really loved the explanation there. It, it explains so much uh, to what you said earlier about uh, a PhD student having an entrepreneurial brain uh, mindset, I should say, in the sense where, yeah, if you spend all the time just making sure that you're immaculate and meticulous with things, then you might not be able to strike when the iron's hot. And obviously that's very important for an entrepreneur. So yeah, just hearing you describe that, I absolutely adored. Because there's that wonderful uh, strike of balance where, okay, I have the information, I have to do it now because it might be too late. And I think I've said that perfectionism is the enemy of progress. I said that in a previous episode, and I still stand by that. Because there is a certain point of time where one has to just kind of move on with what they've got, or else they'll just be kind of stuck in this uh, purgatory of creation and analysis. Mm, exactly. Um, but then, you know, also on the flip side, you don't want to be too impulsive. And I think when we talk about stereotypes in entrepreneurs, there is a stereotype that they are risk takers and that they are impulsive. But really, 
I mean, you can see in the bees task and you can see in real life when people are too impulsive and they don't spend time at least gathering a bit of information, you know, doing their customer research, looking at the market, understanding mm. whether their idea is validated and is going to work. If people don't do that and they're too impulsive, they also don't get great results. Um, Absolutely and I think, true. yeah, just this, this simple challenge you know, the simple task, the bees task and the entrepreneurial brain challenge just really simplifies that whole concept down and shows it in a very simplified way. Um, but it, it is interesting to see how people behave. Mm, I think it's brilliant, I have to say. Bringing it back to the research and the kind of definitions that we see of an entrepreneur, I think the one that I've come across in my research that resonates most with me is this idea that to be able to think entrepreneurially means to be dynamic, flexible, and self-regulating in your cognition, given a dynamic and uncertain task environment. And really what all these challenges and all these tests I give are really trying to tap into how people are able to do this, how flexible you are, and how you deal with these uncertain conditions. Mm, that's fantastic, genuinely. And this is why I uh, perennially urge everyone to take this because you, you also as well as being a supervillain you remind me of a strict sensei in some kind of a martial arts movie who really uh sharpens me at the end so i can fight the big villain uh so w one last question about this uh and what kind of entrepreneur am i what well, yeah that's that's my question so the way i'd answer that question is predominantly that i don't think an entrepreneur is a personality type. I really believe that everybody does have the potential to be entrepreneurial and people have their own skill set that will benefit them in different ways along this journey. So if you ask me what kind of entrepreneur you are, it, it's hard to answer because I guess mm. you're you and you have your unique skills and your knowledge. And really what being entrepreneurial is, is given everything that you know and the skills that you have, how can you apply that to drive change and convince other people that whatever you're proposing is a good idea? So regardless of who you are and what your skill set is, it's about those skills which enable you to get it done, to validate your ideas, to compel others, which are you know, just three of the seven skills that the Entrepreneurship Institute teaches and speaks about. Mm. Based on your results on the Entrepreneurial Brain Challenge, um, I'd say that you have a great skill set. You have particularly, you know, you see in the bees task, this ability to not be too much of a perfectionist, but also not too impulsive. So maybe given just on that task, the perfect entrepreneur, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't like to brag. <laughs> but then, of course, uh, entrepreneurship is so multifaceted and there's so many skills to learn along the way. So I just hope that, you know, from the results, from the challenge, you can see perhaps things you didn't even know that you were particularly good at um, and perhaps areas that you could work on. Oh, definitely. Well, validation clearly is uh, my, my weakest area. And who knew I was so good at seeing the positions of buildings from different angles? That, that surprised me, but I really took that seriously. So ultimately, my mindset is I just want to do as, as well as possible. 
That's why I couldn't possibly have uh, gone too early with the results in the B game, for instance, because I didn't want to come on the episode and be told I was a moron. <laughs> I have to do well. Uh, okay, so that's the end of that segment, and it leads us now to the wonderful... What? Now, this is uh, a simple word association game, so now I'm going to have you on the spot a little bit. But basically, I'm just going to reel off a few different words to you, and you can either say the first word that comes to mind, or, I don't know, a phrase, sentence, whatever. It's all up to you, and ultimately, there's no wrong answers. So, are you ready for the word wonder? I'm ready, I think. (laughs) You sound it. Okay, let's go. Brain. Mind. Entrepreneur. Business. Digital. Virtual. Vision. Eyes. Stem. Woman. Biscuit. Tea. Nice. Information. Technology. Stressful. Pain. Methodical. Analytical. Cerebral. Cortex. And so concludes the word wonder. And may I say those were very amiable answers. I I was a fan. And that (laughs) also brings us to the conclusion of this episode. So to wrap up, Emily, uh, I'd be interested to know what's next on the horizon for you? Uh, As I mentioned earlier at the moment, I'm just analysing some of the data from the Entrepreneurial Brain Challenge. So hopefully once I have the results, I can see what the difference is between entrepreneurs and non-entrepreneurs who took this challenge. Uh, And then it will be writing that up. Mm. And from these results, the next stage is really to take some of these challenges and tests into the MRI scanner so we can see what is happening in the brain, Mm -hmm. which is the most exciting bit. That sounds amazing. Even though I'm very claustrophobic, I'd be remiss not to say I'd love to have my brain scanned as well. (laughs) We'll book you in. I'd love to touch base with you at some point, actually, to speak about the MRI results, because that really fascinates me. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. Uh, And where can we follow you on social media, etc.? So I'm on Twitter. It's mclem16. And yeah, LinkedIn. Happy for either. Nice. Also, no, no, it's just going to be your name on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Emily Clements on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, do you have any closing words, any parting uh, nuggets of information you'd like to say before you depart the court? Um, I guess just the final thing to say is I, so I didn't touch on this, but I actually did my my undergraduate at King's too, so I've been at King's a very long time now as a student. Um, but when when I was an undergraduate at King's, I didn't myself kind of interact with the Entrepreneurship Institute and all they had to offer. And now I'm here working with them. I really wish I worked with them sooner because <laughs> mm. they it's a really, really great environment to be involved in. Um And, uh, you know, I'm not just saying that. I really, really do believe that, you know, students, if they're listening, should really see what it has to offer them. I agree. Yeah, interact with it. See how entrepreneurial you can be because it 
it's the best time to do it now while you're young. You know, our minds mm. are so open to be shaped and we are so able to learn at this age. So yeah, really explore your entrepreneurial potential. Wise words. Uh, I very much concur. So without further ado, Emily Clements, thank you so much for being on the King's Court. And if you wouldn't mind coming back sometime, that would be cool. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I'll definitely come back. Awesome. Emily Clements, everyone. Bye, take care. And so concludes the episode. That was riveting for me. It was wonderful to hear these things because for weeks I've actually been dreading that the results would say I'm an imbecile. Uh, who needs validation? Please like me. Uh, anyway, so we want to hear from you. Perhaps you know of a good guest. Perhaps you'd be a good guest. Maybe... Just maybe you have a good word for word wonder. Either way, as always, reach out, get in touch. We're at the King's Court DS on Twitter, Instagram, and gmail.com. And in closing, remember the definition of insanity is doing the same thing every time and expecting different results. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing every time and expecting different results. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing every time and expecting different results. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing every time and expecting Okay, stay tuned. I promise you, TKC have much more in store. But until then, stay safe, see you next time, and keep on trucking.